with the 20th pick in the NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select. You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast, presented by AAA. Every athlete has a journey. Focus on the game. Let us worry about getting you there. Auto repair, roadside assistance, and auto insurance. Start your journey at AAA.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another edition of the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA. I'm Chris McPherson, joined alongside the one and only Fran Duffy. Fran? Chris, it's another uh, it's another game day. Indeed. Sunday afternoon is when we're taping this. Eagles-Panthers in prime time. Obviously, we're very excited for that one. It'd be a huge win for the Eagles if they can get to 4-3 and three and head into the bye week in great position in first place in a division. But uh, we're going to take a step back and look at the weekend. I don't want to just say Saturday because, obviously, Fran's very excited about a certain team that played on Thursday night. A nail-biter, to say the very least, yes. for the uh, undefeated Temple Owls. The uh, I believe they are as high as 21 and 22 in the polls, I believe okay. that's the number. So, moving on up there. It's, uh, it's a big win. Now we got to take care of business uh, this weekend. Will the next edition of the podcast take place from the link? <laughs> ahead of uh temple notre dame well we we're on the bye next week so we actually have to talk about when the next uh, episode will roll out so certainly potentially we'll see uh first i just want to say our thoughts and prayers are with the families affected by the tragedy that happened at oklahoma state at the homecoming parade yesterday as their coach said uh you know football is just not important it takes a back seat to everything else when something like that happens uh, as we transition to the show, we're going to look at Fran's Saturday scouting matchups and see how those panned out. We'll look at some of the top 25 hits and misses, uh, some big upsets around the college football landscape. Our pick six, to keep a Temple theme kind of going here, we'll look at some uh, draft prospects from the remaining undefeated teams, and we'll get into your questions in our draft mailbag uh, but first, just looking at uh, some of the results from a big picture standpoint, uh, as we get about a month away from playoff season, you know, we're starting to get to where some teams only have about four games remaining left on the schedule. So it's crazy you're really getting to the nitty gritty of the of the playoff seedings here and a couple of big matchups. Number three, Utah, who looked like early on they were going to have a field day with USC and USC has been coming under fire with coach you know having to be dismissed after uh you know they found out that he had an alcohol problem and yep. you know he's let go um they had the tough loss to Notre Dame last week where their athletic director you know fell ill before the game uh there was a scathing article in the LA Times it was I believe that uh Pat Hayden the athletic director is you know devoting time to a number of other projects and not just as the athletic director at USC which in itself is a huge job but give credit where it's due, USC comes big and gets a win over number three, Utah. Yeah, and as, uh, as Brent Musburger would say, the, the friends in the desert uh, seem to have an idea that that, that was coming. With uh, I think it was like USC was favored by six and a half going into the game, which you wouldn't expect uh, with the number three team. I believe they were the highest ranked team to be underdogs to an unranked team uh, since the 70s. There was some, some crazy statistic, but... Uh, look, it, it shouldn't be too much of a surprise because if you asked people before the season who was the chic pick from the Pac-12 to go to the playoff, pretty much everybody would have said USC. So uh, talent on both sides of the ball, both for this draft and moving forward. A ton of uh, underclassmen are not draft eligible that are making a lot of different plays from on both sides of the ball. 
you know, so it's look, they just put it all together uh, yesterday against the Utes. So big win for them. And then uh, number nine, Florida State, and even though Dalvin Cook had another huge performance, over 1,000 yards rushing on the season already, but the Knowles are stunned by Georgia Tech, yeah. 22 to 16. So they are no longer in the land of unbeatens. Yeah, the, uh, the string of ranked teams that go down due to a special teams gaffe goes to, goes to two in a row now with uh, the field goal block. And it's a tough way to go out. You know, yeah. I've been on the other end of, of games like that where you have it won or you think that you, you know, you've got the game won and you lose in the last second like that, and it's just, just crushing. So uh, you feel bad, obviously, for, for Aguayo there, the, the All-American kicker there for Florida State. Um, you know, it's just a tough situation. So, uh, look, Seminoles still have a matchup here with Clemson, who now is in the driver's seat in the ACC, so they'll have an opportunity to make up for it. All right, so we're going to delve into the action here. Again, make sure to subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you consume your podcasts. Uh, rate and comment and let us know what you want to see from the show moving forward. But up next here, it's Draft Buzz. Now it's time for Draft Buzz. Our friend, to kick things off here on Draft Buzz, we're going to go right into your Saturday scouting column from this past week. Uh, it's a must-read each and every Saturday. First thing in the morning, you get up, you read through some of the big matchups, and you know it gives you a little primer for the day of college football ahead. And uh, we already touched on this upset to begin the show, but Cody Kessler going against a very stacked Utah Utes defense. Uh, you just look at the numbers. Kessler had 264 yards, two touchdowns total, one rushing um, in a 42-24 to route of the previously unbeaten Utes. Yeah, and the, the Utes were missing Jared Norris, the, the senior middle linebacker there, who was a big playmaker for them. Um, but really, you look at Kessler and a guy that uh, a lot of people felt strongly about coming into the year and considered to be one of the best senior quarterbacks in the class. Loved his accuracy, his ability to deal with pressure. Through uh, six games this year, has not been the case with him. You know, there are a lot of different issues with facing pressure and, you know, dropping his eyes. A lot of people uh, have brought that to the limelight in, in the media. So I'm personally excited to dig into the tape from this year and really just get a chance to study him just because since they're out on the West Coast, you know, watching them on TV, I haven't been able to watch them as deeply as I've been, you know, been able to other teams. But, you know, you look at guys on the outside, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster has continued to make big plays from the true sophomore wide receiver. Huge game uh, for him last, yep, yesterday. No question about it. He'll be a guy to watch in the future. Uh, Darius Rogers, another receiver that's making plays for them. Trey Madden, the senior running back who has missed a ton of time uh, throughout his career. Converted linebacker who's playing running back. So they've got a lot of options there on the offensive side of the football. Kessler has in the past played the role of that point guard and has just been spreading it around. People have questioned his arm strength, and that's really the biggest knock on him along with his size because he's sub six foot two. But uh, it'll be interesting to see where Kessler ends up getting graded in this quarterback class because, as we've talked about in the past, it's not uh, declared yet who is going to be the top dog in this group, how he ranks. You know, he's not, I don't think he's going to be the, the top name, even maybe not even in the top three names. Uh, but Kessler will be I, – I think he's going to be drafted regardless. So we'll see. All right. So next matchup here, you looked at the Tennessee-Alabama game. More specifically, the matchup of the Tennessee receiver against the Alabama, the Crimson Tide defensive backs, and you want to focus on two guys in particular, Von Pearson and Marquez North. Now, Alabama came out with a 19-14 win, keeping their hopes for the playoff alive. But the two receivers didn't make much of an impact, combined for three catches and just 23 yards. Yes, I mean, it was, it was a tough game for those two guys. Like I mentioned in the piece, 
uh, the Tennessee is loaded with receivers, and especially in the underclassmen ranks. Uh, they've got a number of different guys there that were big-time recruits that have come in and, and taken reps from some of the upperclassmen, Von Pearson uh, most notably. But Pearson is, an NFL, is a draft prospect for sure. Marquez North is a draft-eligible junior uh, who I, I would imagine, especially with all the big names there, it wouldn't shock me to see him declare. But uh, you look at, this, look at this game in a nutshell – it came down to the run game. You know, Jalen Hurd, who is the true sophomore running back for Tennessee, uh, had a big day. Derrick Henry on the other side for Alabama had a big day. And really, if, when you look at this Tennessee passing game, a lot of it has to fall on the, on the shoulders of quarterback Josh Dobbs, who has been pretty up and down so far this year as a passer. So uh, the Alabama secondaries played very well. I'm not surprised to see that outcome uh, for those two players, just with all those factors, with the run game. Uh, being really the bell cow for this Tennessee offense, the struggles that Josh Dobbs has had, the success that the Alabama secondary has had, uh, it doesn't surprise me in the slightest. All right, let's go to another SEC matchup, Arkansas and Auburn. Rare to see both of these teams unranked come into a showdown, but one player you want to focus on was tight end Hunter Henry of the Razorbacks. He led the team with 68 yards receiving on five catches in a four-overtime thriller, one yeah. of two on the day, believe it or not. Yeah, it's, you know, Henry, a lot of people had given love to the other tight ends in the SEC. Evan Ingram from Ole Miss that we had talked about in the past. O.J. Howard, the true junior now uh, for Alabama, who's a dynamic player, who's also a very good blocker. And Henry flew under the radar coming into the year. I think he's starting to get a little, little bit more love nationally. A guy that can do it all, really. I mean, he can line up all over the formation. He's got the ability to beat you down the seams. Uh, he shows really you know, reliable hands. I was expecting him to be a little bit of a better blocker, you know, just because of the, the way that I know Arkansas wants to play the game and, uh, you know, the, the importance that they place on the run game. But uh, I think that he's got the ability to be a starter at the NFL level. I think that he'll probably stay in school for another year, and I think that would be best for him is to stay in school for another year for sure. Well, you said he's only 20, he'll only be 21 exactly. at the start so, of next season. Exactly. So, you know, there's still some growth potential there for, you know, for this kid. I think that he's got the ability to turn into a potential first or second round pick. I don't know that he's there yet, but I think he's got the ability to. All right, the fourth matchup on your list here of the five. Wisconsin improved to a 6-2 and two record with a 24-13 win over the Fighting Illini of Illinois. And the matchup you were looking at in particular was offensive tackle Tyler Mars of Wisconsin going against Jihad Ward, edge rusher from Illinois, who is a native of our fine city of brotherly love. Yeah, well, you know, Mars is a guy that – uh, has been a starter at left tackle for Wisconsin for a couple of years. A lot of people in the media seem to think that he will switch inside the guard. I haven't done a deep study on Mars, but that, that's how people view him. I just got a chance to watch Ward for the first time, and I, you know, I know his measurables. He's about 6'5", he's about 295, uh, a really big kid. I knew that he lined up all across the formation, lined up at both defensive end spots, slid inside the three technique at times. I was blown away with this kid's athleticism. You know, you see the ability uh, to get off blocks and play sideline to sideline, really high motor guy, uh, shows great balance at the point of attack, has the ability to drop his weight and anchor against the, against the run, uh, showed an ability to win as a pass rusher in a number of different ways. Just the overall, his athleticism, and we know what will happen with those big kids that have great athleticism. They're not going to last long on no. draft day. My guess would be – that he will be considered one of the risers back in, in the spring once we start getting the, into the combine and all the measurables start to become a factor. I would bet that this kid's going to start rising, you know, quote unquote, rising course, up yes. boards. I the kid he I watched him against Iowa. I challenge you to watch that game, Jihad Ward against Iowa, who is un, undefeated right now, uh, and come away thinking that 
this kid isn't going to be a top 30 pick. And he, he was absolutely dominant in that game. Very, very disruptive. The value that he could bring to an NFL defense on third down, uh, I think was, you know, it was eye-opening. The kid was really, really impressive. All right, your fifth and final matchup here, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Of course, they routed Rutgers 49-7. to So this matchup really became moot. But nonetheless, it was Taylor Decker, the offensive tackle, going against Kamoko Ture, a freaky edge rusher. For the Scarlet Knights. Yeah, a guy that was a, a sub-package player for them a year ago really was never asked to defend the run. I mean, he came in when it was it was third and long and you know, and, and those obvious passing downs and was asked to just pin his ears back and get after the quarterback. Uh, this year, I think they've increased his workload a little bit, but a guy that's got that slender frame, he's got that lean basketball frame, uh, can get off the edge. He's got a great get off. He's explosive. He's got the ability to turn the corner. Shows really good flexibility. His athleticism. I th- he's shown ability to drop in coverage. He only did it once or twice last year that I saw, but when he did, he looked very natural doing so. So I think he's got potential to be in a draft class that doesn't have a ton of dynamic edge rushers in terms of those guys that can turn the corner and bend the edge. The kid's only a redshirt sophomore. Everyone thinks that there's going to be a coaching change at Rutgers, and that you know we'll see if that happens or not. Uh, their head coach just returned from suspension for uh, a couple of games, so it's a it's kind of a mess there at Rutgers right now. We'll see whether or not Ture decides to return to school. If he does enter, I think he's got the ability to make a splash in this edge rusher class because uh, you know, like I said, it's kind of lacking when it comes to those dynamic speed rusher types. Uh, so let's go through some of the other top 25 matches. Really, is the only other matchup that involved two top 25 teams. And uh, would you consider it upset that Ole Miss beat Texas A&M 23-3? And not just the fact that they dominate, but two offenses that came in very, very prolific into this matchup, neither was able to get off the ground. You know, I, I, it's, it's interesting with those two teams because Ole Miss – less than a month ago was number two in the nation just coming off that huge win against Alabama they had a quarterback in Chad Kelly that had a huge game against the Crimson Tide uh, transfer from Clemson had all kinds of issues ended up at junior college and now it takes over the starting job and now you know he's the golden child they've kind of come back to earth a little bit I think they've had some offensive line issues luckily for them they got the they had the return of Laramie Tunsil this week uh, I know that helped in a, in a big way but you know that offense has struggled, and really it's come in the running game. They haven't been able to run the ball consistently. And then you look on the other side, Texas A&M, they just haven't been able to settle in on who their quarterback is. You know, Kyle Allen, Kyler Murray have been you know trading places, one guy in, one guy out, uh, and it's really apparently it's become a pretty big dis- distraction for that program. Uh, you know, inside the locker room, I was reading a couple articles actually this morning uh, about that. So. We'll see what happens with Texas A&M down the road. They've been recruiting really, really well. They've got a lot of talent on both sides of the ball, especially on the offensive side. Uh, the wide receiver position in particular, they've got a, a ton of guys that were very highly regarded coming out of high school. So we'll see if they're able to pick it back up. But you look at Ole Miss, and they've got – it's funny, I was talking with Tony Pauline this week on the, mm-hmm. on the Eagle Eye in the Sky. Plug, plug. Hey, plug, plug. Uh, and he brought up the fact that that Ole Miss team – along with Ohio State, depending on who declares from those two schools, could account for like a quarter of the first round just because they've got so many underclassmen. You talk about Laramie Tunsil, You talk about Laquan Treadwell, mm-hmm. uh, Robert Kandichi. Uh, you look at Ohio State with Bosa and with uh, Deron Lee and Eli Apple and some of the other guys that, you know, Pat Elfline, the, the interior lineman. There's a ton of guys on that side. Michael Thomas, the receiver, that could potentially declare and go in that first round 
uh, it will be interesting to see what happens with those two teams. Kim is interesting because yep. Mel Kuyper released his most recent edition of the big board. And even though he didn't play in this game yesterday due to the concussion he right. suffered uh, the previous week against Memphis, he's number one yeah. on the big board. Yeah, and, and Kandichi, he was the number one player coming out of high school a couple of years ago, had great athleticism, has shown that throughout his career, the ability to be a, a playmaker on the other side of the line of scrimmage, shoots gaps really, really well. That's why he's seen a lot of snaps on offense because they tried to get the ball in his hands and just use his playmaking, play, playmaking ability. Uh, unfortunately, he got hurt as a lead blocker, as a fullback on a third down play against Ole Miss. And it's just those, one of those plays where, you know, it's, it's, you kind of throw your hands up and say, what are you going to oh, do? What are you going to do? I mean, the guy you're putting in your, your five-star recruit as a lead blocker on third and one against, uh, against Memphis. Um, but that is what it is. Uh, Kim Dietschy is a dynamic talent. Now, the question with him coming into the season was, can he hold up at the point of attack? It seemed like he had taken some steps in that area. So uh, when he does return, it doesn't seem like – there were some rumors that he could play this week. I yeah. think he woke up with a headache on Saturday morning, so they decided not to have him concerning. Go. Yeah, so uh, hopefully he's able to make a recovery. Uh, I'm surprised that you didn't mention the Tunsil-Miles Garrett matchup. Which as- was – well – I talked about it in depth with uh, with Ross Tucker this week, and I try not to overlap too too, I got you you. Know, too much. I laugh because there was a Twitter exchange where Josh Norris was pointing out that matchup, and you were like, "Oh, that's arguably one of the best in the country all yeah. year." And I'm like, "You mentioned it yourself, Scotty." Piece. I'm like, <laughs> "Well, I you try, know. that's the thing is I try. That's why I like I tease it at the beginning of the article. I try not to uh, to you know say the same thing in two uh, different areas. Of course, you, know, you can't want you don't want to." Uh, you know, give away too much, but, but you have different audiences. Though. That's true. There that's are some true. people who listen to the podcast, some that read that's the true. column. But you know, you look at Tunsil. I mean, when I watched him over the summer, looking back to last year, I thought this kid was one of the best offensive linemen I've ever watched, barn without question. Uh, cleaner than so many of the guys. I mean, outstanding athleticism. He's got great size, and his technique, the way that he's completely in control. Uh, from snap to finish is just outstanding. I mean, the, the guy's got great feet. Uh, he's got a great punch. He's got great knee bend. He's just, like I said, always in control, very, very patient with his hands, looks to finish blocks. He gets out in space like he's a tight end. Uh, he's just, you know, flat out, he's a freak. And, you know, going up against Miles Garrett, who is one of the best pass rushers in the nation, a true sophomore, who won't be eligible for the draft until 2017. But for all intents and purposes, a lot of people think he's going to be a top five pick. Uh, you know, seeing that matchup, was uh you know obviously to me like i said on twitter it was the biggest of the year and garrett uh a guy that a lot of people are very very high on all the reports from you know that i i, believe, I read a piece from rob rang mm-hmm. a friend of the podcast who we've had uh, on the show a couple times from cbs sports he said that you know both guys both guys had their share of plays but tunsil came out on top and that doesn't surprise me because tunsil like i said just the complete package in the offensive line and he hasn't played all year he hasn't played all year he hasn't it. played it down and we've talked about this on the podcast before how None of the other offensive linemen have really stepped up to kind of take that mantle as the best one. So Tunsil's right. been helped by that, that everyone's been kind of waiting to see him come back and perform. So to have a strong performance out of the gate just further helps his cause that yeah. much more. No question. And, you know, he comes out. I think that I, I had heard that uh, I think it was leading up to their, their game against Florida. Uh, they were interviewing uh, the head coach uh, from the Hugh Freeze from Ole Miss. 
And he said it was on Friday night. And he said, look, if, if they talk, if they talk to us at 1130 Friday night and say that he's eligible, he's starting tomorrow morning at left tackle. I mean, he had been prepping as if he was going to be ready to start as soon as possible, working with the second team. He had been given looks on the scout team to the defense as a defensive lineman uh, and kind of doing both things. But he was always ready to jump back into the lineup. Doesn't surprise me in the slightest that he would come in and play at a high level. And uh, to note his impact, the Rebels were only able to gain 40 yards rushing the previous week against Memphis had 230 yeah. on Saturday. That, so I mean, that's, it helps big time. Quite a bit of difference there. That's going to do it for our Draft Buzz segment. Now we're going to transition to a little Pick 6. Now it's time for Pick 6. All right, friends, time for Pick 6. And uh, to kind of keep the Temple theme going, we sure. said let's, let's look at six prospects from the remaining undefeated teams. So a couple went down over the weekend, so... I'll rattle off the ones who are still sure. remaining in the ranks of the unbeatens. Obviously, Temple 7-0. Memphis is 7-0. The Buckeyes, top of the AP polls, 8-0. Baylor, they routed Iowa State to get to 7-0. LSU, they, they beat Western Kentucky, so they're 7-0. Clemson manhandled Miami. Tough loss for uh, former Temple yep. coach Al Golden. Uh, so they're 7-0. Oklahoma State, they beat up on Kansas to get to 7-0. Toledo came back from a 28 to 10 halftime deficit. They're 7 and 0 after rallying to beat UMass by 16. And last but not least, Houston remains undefeated after beating up on winless Central Florida. So nine teams there total. So can you give us six prospects? You know, maybe some that fans might know and some that uh, maybe we're introducing them. Sure, sure. To for so, the first time. Uh, well, let's start with Memphis. and that, The guy that really is just kind of catching fire right now, and that's the quarterback, Paxton Lynch. Uh, we talked about him a couple weeks ago before their big win over Ole Miss. I got a chance to watch him again, actually, on, on Friday night. They played uh, Tulsa, uh, so I got to watch that, you know, on, on Friday, spend my Friday night watching those two teams. and. Just a big, strong kid. He's got good athleticism. I really like his arm. Uh, I think he can make every throw you need for, in an NFL playbook. He's got a really good decision maker. Rarely did I see him take unnecessary chances with the football. Goes through progressions pretty quickly in the pocket. He can be used in the quarterback run game. I talked about his, you know, his athleticism. He's got the ability to be used on those quarterback runs. They run a good amount of zone read with him. A couple times you were able to see him scramble outside the pocket and be able to threaten defenses on the perimeter with both his arm and with his legs. I like to see his mechanics improve a little bit. I think his feet can tighten up. Uh, I think his release definitely can tighten up a little bit. His big issue with me was his ball placement. Not necessarily his touch. I think his touch is outstanding. And that's what makes his deep ball so good is that he's got the arm to be able to deliver the ball down the field. But with his touch, he can make those bucket throws at 45, you know, 40 yards down the field, you know, over the shoulder, just unbelievable placement. But when he's looking to drive the football on those intermediate routes, a lot of those balls, he'll make those his receivers work for it a little bit. So that's going to be the big knock on him. But I still think that he's a guy, you know, I kind of – I went into it all, you know, we talked about this in the past when you go talk about these big name guys. I always kind of go in kind of pumping the brakes a little bit. Not I don't want to get too overhyped. Yeah. He belongs in the discussion for the top quarterback in the draft. No question about it. I mean, this kid's the real deal. So, uh really really excited about Paxton Lynch and uh excited to watch more. I've watched four or five games now from this year. Uh really really impressed with what he has brought to the table at 6'7" 245. So, you're talking about a big kid with a big arm. Uh, great athleticism, the whole the whole package there. So really excited about Paxton Lynch. 
Um, the next the next school is Clemson. And, okay. you, know, I, you talked about the uh, the big win they had over Miami le- uh, yesterday. They were up forty two nothing at halftime. Yeah. They didn't even take the team into the locker room. I, I, something like that. They, I like, they just did, did like, it right on the, field. Or on the field. Yeah, it was it was not a pretty sight down there in uh, Miami yesterday. But uh, Clemson's got a few kids on the defensive side of the ball. They're interesting. You know, they've got uh, J. Ron Curse, the uh, the nephew of the freak Javon Curse. Uh, Mackenzie Alexander, though, the cornerback, is a guy I want to focus on. 5'11", 195 is what he's listed at. He looks like he could be a little bit smaller, so we'll see what that is when he does decide to declare for the draft. He's a, he's a junior at this point. Uh, plays as the field corner. A lot of press man, and Clemson's always played a ton of press man coverage. But you know, played a good amount of off coverage as well, and I thought he looked really natural playing in space, really good change direction. I really wasn't worried at all about his athleticism, his ability to hit pocket with receivers downfield. They weren't afraid to put him on an island, cover zero, and he would lock onto a man and take him away from the progression. Uh, seemed to be the one that was getting all of his teammates in the secondary lined up before the snap. I liked seeing that, especially from a younger player. I think he's got the speed to run down the field with receivers. Really, just his ability in man coverage, I think, really stood out to me. Um, didn't get a really good sense of him playing the ball in the air because the game that I watched, the D, the offense completely stayed away from his side. So uh, didn't really get to see too many targets thrown at him. But uh, athletically, he's got everything you want. I think the, the the question will be his size, and that'll affect how high he goes because, as we know, that you know everyone kind of wants those six foot corners. If you're five and eleven and a half, they can get away with it going in the top half of the first round. But if he's in that, you know, especially if he's sub five ten, if he's five nine and change, that will really affect his stock. But, you know, the more I watched uh, that one game against – I believe I watched him against Louisville, uh, you know, the more I just came away – you know, you know what it was? It was against Notre Dame, uh, your boys, you uh, the Irish. But uh, the more I watched, the more I just came away thinking, wow, this kid is really, really talented. So uh, Mackenzie Alexander for sure has got to watch. Okay, so we've gone quarterback, we've gone defensive back. Well, an- another defensive back that I've I'm, I'm been a big fan of since I watched him over the summer – uh, from LSU, that's the Tredavious White, mm-hmm. who listed five eleven. He plays bigger than five eleven. He's you know one hundred ninety one pounds. Uh, was the right corner last year for the Tigers. Played mostly press coverage. I the thing that I came away with most with him was his instincts were very very good. He showed really good awareness and zone coverage, a good understanding of what he was supposed to do in the defense, and then also what the route concepts were as they were developing in front of him. Made a number of different plays on the ball that just came off his instincts. A lot of tape study type plays. Uh, where you see him break on the ball before the receiver you know, enters the top of his stem. He's got the athletic ability you want. I think he's got the speed to run with receivers downfield. I thought he was really, really competitive against the run as well. You know, made a number of different tackles coming downhill into the flats. I know the guys right now over at PFF College aren't too big. Apparently, he hasn't had a good year statistically. Okay. So I'm excited to see. You're not excited. I'm kind of anxious to see. Uh, you know what he looks like as I go back and study him from this season. But when I saw a guy last year that uh, you know has the total package in terms of pretty good size, the athleticism, the instincts, I thought, okay, this guy's a first-round cornerback. Uh, so I'm excited to see what he looks like as I go back and study this t- this season because apparently uh, it hasn't been good. Also, he wears that number 18, that, uh, that vaunted number 18 for LSU. Yes, the one that Benny Logan wore. Of course. During his time at LSU. So, no question. Uh, it's interesting because I know that White is – up high in the big board from Mel Kuyper. I don't know where he ranks. He? Okay. Uh, but I don't think he's ahead. I'm actually pretty certain he's not ahead of Vernon Hargraves. Right. And you like White over Hargraves. Even I do. Though, yes. You know, the media hype overall likes the Florida cornerback. Yeah. And I think Hargraves, because he was, he was a first-team All-American, I believe, as a, as a freshman. So, you know, he's going to get a lot of the love just because he's been in the national spotlight now uh, for a few years. But 
Uh, I was uh, me personally. I, I like Hargreaves. I think you know. I think Hargreaves is a nice player. But size uh, is the one. Size question was with the him. question. That was my question with him. And you know, because I think he's listed five ten, and I you I, know I, it's going to be five nine exactly. So uh, you know, last year we talked about that with Ifo Akpreolum mm-hmm. a year ago. Everyone thought he was going to be a first round pick. Ifo Akpreolum. Yeah, Ifo yeah. He went. He went right in the sixth round. Sixth and round I know a lot of people. Well, the ACL, ACL was a big thing. Apart, but. If size he, if, if that if let's say he was fully healthy you know would he have gone in the third, fourth round would he fourth, go in the third round? i mean that's that'll be the question here with hargreaves i think but uh you know moving on baylor who has just been <laughs> you know i mean i don't know what you can say about uh, about what that offense has done i i, I saw this on twitter i think it was daniel jeremiah from okay. apple network calling the Harlem gold Trotters. yeah that's i did see that actually i think that's it's very apropos yeah it's perfect i mean in the you you kind of go into the game yesterday like all right it's pouring. It was a torrential downpour in Waco yesterday. Uh, and you think, okay, well, maybe this will be a Shocklinwood game and they'll kind of run the ball and, you know, they'll get their yards through the air. But it won't. no, no. They just, you know, Corey Coleman scores another, what, two, three touchdowns yesterday. Uh, Seth Russell left the game. And apparently he's <clears throat> going to be out for a considerable amount of time with a, I think it was a broken bone in his neck, uh, which seems to be another. Because didn't Bryce Petty have the same exact yeah, issue? No, he had a he had back, a back so issue. Something, you know, something so. with his vertebrae. But, yeah. Um, you know that'll be something to watch moving forward i think that'll have a big impact uh, on that big 12 race but um on the defensive side of the ball andrew billings is 6'1 310 pounds a lot of people have really hyped this kid up as a you know a big time player in terms of being a draft prospect uh 6'1 310 i'm gonna be honest you know my, my first watch of him I didn't come away thinking that he was better than Danny Shelton, and you knew, you know, last year. How much I thought Dan, I thought Danny yeah. Shelton was a good player. I didn't think he was outstanding, and I know he's playing well for Cleveland. But uh, oh, was he drawing the Haloti Nada comparisons last year? He, yeah, he was, and so that's yeah. the, you know. So I'm looking, I'm like, okay, well, Billings to me isn't even as athletic as, uh, as, Shelton. as Shelton was, who was 340. This kid's 310. I I only watched one game, so you know, obviously, I still need to do a lot more work on him, but. My first watch of him at 310 pounds at 6'1", I'm thinking, okay, he's he's got good size. Doesn't have great size. I'd like to see him get a little bit stronger. Um, he's got really strong hands, and that's there's no question about that. When he made contact, you could see that he was able to jar offensive linemen uh, as soon as he was able to make contact with them. But I have concerns about about his athletic ability. Honestly, I think he's got to get a little bit bigger. I think he's got to get stronger. There are a lot of times where he'll play high and then he'll lose leverage. So even though he's six one, he doesn't play like he's six one. He he ends up losing a lot of leverage, and I, I think that gets gets him moved at the point of attack sometimes. So, um, you know, I'm I'm anxious to watch more from this kid because i think he shows good initial quickness i think he moves pretty well but i don't i don't i don't see right now a guy that's going to be a top half of the first round nose tackle i I just didn't see that so um you know excited to dig in and and watch more with billings we we talked about sean oakman in the past there on that line so uh very talented defensive front there for baylor Um, all right so we've got three defensive players yes one quarterback correct more all right so we got one more defensive lineman uh from oklahoma uh, and 6'4", 281 pounds, and that's Charles Tapper, a guy that I was really high on in the summer. You know, after going back and watching, you know, he's really interesting because he's got some explosive ability. Uh, he can shoot gaps and play in the backfield. I think he's got the ability to two-gap as well up front, though, and that, and that was the thing that impressed me was just his versatility. Uh, I think he's really instinctive. He's light on his feet. He was able to sniff out those screen plays in the flats and make plays from sideline to sideline. I think he plays with a strong base. He uses his hands really well. Uh, he plays with really good pad level. He's got a good motor. That's the thing is that the more I watch this kid, I'm like, man, you're checking all the boxes with him. 
to me, it was, okay, you've got Charles Tapper and different, different kinds of players in terms of their play style for sure, but you compare Charles Tapper to Andrew Billings, and to me, Tapper is the better all-around player. Uh, you know, and again, I watched Tapper last year, came away really, really liking him. He, you know, he, was, uh, he made one really athletic play, actually, I remember in the bowl game you know, against Clemson where he batted the ball up in the air and pick-sixed it, uh, you know, took it, I think it was like 70-plus yards back to the house, ended up coming back because one of his teammates lined up off sides, but the guy's got good athleticism. He's instinctive. He's physical. He can play a number of different spots up and down the defensive line because of his size. Uh, really, I, th- I think that he can be a three technique. I think he can slide inside, potentially play as a nose tackle. I'm anxious to see where he ends up because I think he's got a bright future. I'm a big fan of Charles Tapper. Okay. And last but not least, got to go with the temple guy. <laughs> they, you know, it's one guy that I think uh, has been one of the catalysts for, for this team uh, throughout the season, the senior wide receiver Robbie Anderson uh, came up with a number of big plays this past week against ECU. Jihad Ward, the, the true sophomore running back, is you know obviously he's been the bell cow, but Anderson uh, came up with a number of big plays against ECU against the Pirates late in the game uh, when they really really needed it. He's got good size at six three one ninety. I came away really impressed just because of how smooth he was as athletically. You know he can run any route they need him to run, and he can win at all points of the field. You know, he can win on those vertical routes. He showed the ability to get on top of corners against Penn State. He can win on the digs. He can win in the screen game. Uh, really, really impressive just because of how smooth he is. Like I said, he's got uh, the ability to, to get in and out of breaks quickly. He flashed strong hands and the ability to work in traffic over the middle. I think he's pretty good after the catch. Really anxious to watch more. And against good competition, he's got a good matchup this week against Notre Dame senior corner Kavari Russell. So, uh, Robbie Anderson, I think he's got a chance to make himself some money this week against Notre Dame. Uh, I think the arrow is pointing up on this guy. I think he's definitely going to get drafted because a guy that's six three that runs like he does doesn't typically last long. Is this a preview for Saturday scouting for next week? <laughs> Potentially, unless Potentially. I talk about it with Ross Tucker and then we'll put it in. <laughs> so we'll see. So my apologies to the two teams that were on a bye this week: yep. Michigan State and TCU. Sure, so their fans look yes. So eleven total undefeated teams. Yep. So nine were the ones I played. We and you this know, weekend. there are other guys we've talked. You know, we've talked about Josh Dotson from TCU yes, you know, and Aaron yes. Green and uh, Toledo, Boykin run, Toledo and running back Kareem Hunt. You know, we've talked about uh, Houston's got a corner, William Jackson. Obviously, these teams are undefeated for a reason. They've got quality draft. Just, prospects. just introducing fans to guys who they, right. they might not know. So, well, you're going to catch a lot of flack for it on Twitter. I'm sure, and deservedly <laughs> so. Uh, so we're going to transition now to draft mailbag because there's one Temple player who I thought Fran was going to mention in pick six. When he mentioned a Temple guy, I wasn't surprised, but uh, maybe draft mailbag. We'll have that covered. So that's coming up right after this. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the draft mailbag. All right, to finish things off here on the Journey to Draft podcast presented by AAA, it's our draft mailbag. Some great questions coming in from Twitter, whether you at Eagles Insider or you sent them to at FW3, Fran's Twitter handles. Um, let's delve into it. So I'll go to the Temple one first. Robert, uh, at Section 715, former 700 leveler on, uh, on Twitter, loves a certain linebacker of the Temple Owls, uh, watches – enjoys watching his style of play and as Tyler Matakevich. Yeah, and a guy that's got uh, over 400 career tackles has been very, very productive throughout his career on North Broad Street. Uh, instinctive guy, that's been, and that's been his calling card, his physicality downhill, his ability to take on blocks. The question with him will be for the next level, what kind of an athlete is he? Is he a 
serviceable athlete. You know, can you put him out there and you know, okay, obviously it's not, this guy's not going to be dynamic and playing in coverage, but he's not going to get you killed each week. Mm-hmm. Or is that you know, or is he going to get you killed yeah. each week? And that's going to be the big question with him. Uh, but no question about it, he's been very, very productive. Uh, you know, during his time at Temple, he's been you know one of the leaders on the defense side of the ball. He wears single digits, which for Temple means he's one of the top nine toughest guys on the team. Uh, really, really fun player to watch. Uh, I'm excited to see what happens with him, you know, moving forward throughout the process because the athletic drills will be the most important thing for him uh, once you get to the combine. What's his size? And that, well, that's going to be the other I thing. Thought I thought was a little undersized. Yeah, I think but... he's in the. I don't have the numbers in front of yeah. me. I want to say he's like six foot two thirty five. So okay. he's on the smaller end too. So, you know, you're not huge and you're not overly athletic you know that's where good. do you fit in where do you fit in but look at that position and we've talked about this in the past too at, at the linebacker position maybe more so than any other you can get away with not being a dynamic athlete if you've got great instincts and, mm-hmm. uh, and he does have that so that'll be you know the big thing is because uh, you see there's players all the time that come out that don't have uh, great instincts but have great athleticism and get drafted in the first second round and they and can't then, play and then they can't play but if you've got great instincts and you're physical, you, you can stick in the league. The yeah. one game I watched of Mankiewicz was Penn State, and he was phenomenal. Oh, man. Absolutely it, phenomenal. He uses game, a blitzer. So. I mean, just savvy. You know, just a really, really fun player. Uh, let's transition. We'll stay on this topic of the uh, linebacker position. Uh, a friend of the podcast, Aaron, at CrazyBone227 on Twitter. Who's going to be this year's Shaq Thompson? Fitting that, uh, you know, Eagles are playing the Carolina Panthers. Sure. Unfortunately, Thompson, or fortunately for the Eagles, Thompson is not playing tonight. But... Uh, I just remember the whole draft process last year. Mike Mayock saying he was his number two ranked safety. Thompson saying, no way I'm playing safety. I want to play linebacker. Some people were wondering if he would play linebacker or running back. And he went at the end of the first round to the Panthers. So who is this year's Shaq Thompson? Well, I think if you're going to pick one guy, it's Miles Jack um, you know, from UCLA. We've talked about in the past. I'll tell you what, I, I wasn't the biggest Shaq Thompson guy, but he's actually played pretty well. He impressed me on tape, and he, he doesn't play uh, a ton for them just because they spend so much, so much time in nickel, yep. and that means Thomas Davis is on the field. But, um, you know, I, whenever I watched him, he, he came to, I came away pretty impressed with him. But uh, we've talked about Miles Jack, and he obviously is the total package. I actually mentioned, you know, when he first declared that he's worlds better in my eyes than what Shaq Thompson was coming out of Washington last year. So, I would expect that Jack is going to go in the top twenty. I mean, that would that would be my assumption. Even know. off the even ACL. off the well, it's a meniscus. Menis- so meniscus, it, correct. His correct. his plan is to come and blow up the combine. So if he's healthy for the combine, and he shows up there. He's got twenty eight games as a starter. He's, you know, and he's got uh, twenty seven ball deflections because he's constantly in pass coverage. And I think he's got you know one hundred and seventy plus tackles uh, in his career at UCLA. Uh, it's been very very productive, but. Uh, you know, you look around college football, Terrence Smith from Florida State, a guy I would have talked about uh, in our last segment in pick six if Florida uh, State held on to win that game. Uh, big kid. He's 6'3". I believe he's 244. Uh, you know, big rangy kid that can play sideline to sideline. For that size, I was really, really impressed with that, his athleticism. I thought he showed good instincts and the ability to sniff out plays in the flat and, you know, very, very rarely false stepped. He showed the ability to play in coverage. He played in dime. You know, again, you're talking about a guy who's 244 pounds, who's 6'3", uh, and he's their dime linebacker. I was impressed with that kid. They, they, a lot of people ranked him as a DN coming out of high school. He stayed at the linebacker position and has played at a very high level for them. Uh, Terrence Smith, I think, you know, kind of fits that role as one of these athletic, rangy linebackers. And then Sua Cravens, we've also talked about from USC, mm-hmm. uh, who I still want to do a lot more work on. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest, when I first watched him, I – 
I wasn't blown away. So uh, he will be a guy that I think when you're talking about is he safety, is he a linebacker, uh, Sewell Cravens will be in that type of discussion, as will a guy like Jeremy Cash and uh, you know Carl Joseph and some of these other guys. Uh, a lot of people are hyping as, as the next big safety. I've got big questions about a lot of these guys. What about, uh, I'm surprised Eric Stryker didn't come up. Stryker, yeah, that's that's a good point too. And he, he would probably fit into that same group because a guy that is just under the. I think the question with me with Stryker is not necessarily is he a safety or is a, is he a linebacker. To me, it's more is he an edge player? Is he you know is he going to play on the outside or is he like a stacked will linebacker yeah. or a Mike linebacker? I mean that's going to be the question with me uh, for Stryker. And you know I, I really want to dig more into this season and see how he's played so far this year. He's always been productive for Oklahoma, and now they're, they're, they're undefeated. They're playing at a high level. I know he's been making plays you know, against the pass for them, so uh, I'm excited to dig more into him. But I came away kind of thinking that uh, – we've talked about this in the past – that he's more of a strong side linebacker kind of type. So uh, we'll see with Stryker. That's a, that's a good name to bring up too. All right. Uh, two more questions here. Uh, even though the Eagles have won the last couple of games and the offensive line has played much better – Barry Beitler always sends questions in for the podcast at Beitler Barry on Twitter. Uh, who could be a first round offensive line target for the Eagles? So, well, I think that Larry Tunsil's going to be gone. He'll be long gone. So forget about Larry Tunsil. Um, and, and, the, and the way the Eagles are playing, it, it's yeah. a couple weeks ago when they were one and three, yeah, they had the eighth pick. Right. Okay. So maybe you're you know in that kind of range now. You're in position to yeah. be in the playoff hunt so that's going to make things he'll be different. he'll be long gone i would think. yes i'm gonna be honest you know going through the list and i've i've said that i think this is a pretty good class and i think it's a good class overall but i don't know how many of these guys are first rounders you know i, I think you have tunsil i think ronnie stanley who we're going to get a chance to see you know this week at lincoln financial mm-hmm. field for notre dame i think he's probably a first round pick i think pat elfline the junior guard from uh from ohio state is probably a first round pick and then Max Turk from USC, who would have been another guy, but he's coming off a torn ACL. I yeah. mean, his game is based off athleticism. So even he may not go that high now. Uh, you know, the other guy, you know, Jack Conklin, I think that a lot of people are high on from Michigan State, and I, I think he's a good player. I wouldn't lock him into the first round, not at this point. I mean, it's still early, but yeah. uh, I wouldn't lock him into round one. Um, you know, I look around at some of these other names. I wouldn't lock Taylor Decker into round one from Ohio State. Uh, there are a number of guys all around the country that – some people say like, oh yeah, you know Josh Garnett from Stanford, the, the, the left guard there. I don't, I would, I've, I watched him. I wouldn't say, oh yeah, he's a first round guard. Uh, but you have to also wait and see who is no at question. the end of the day who's available because somebody's got to go in the first round. Exactly. You know, so you look around at all these other positions, but you know, right now I would say I, those four guys are definite, probably first rounders. Uh, you know, Max Turk notwithstanding because of the injury. Um, you do I, count or don't count Turk in that? I, I would probably throw him in there just because the tape was very, very good. Yeah. I, mean, I would throw him in there for that reason. What helps him is he could look at – or teams could look at Jason Kelsey. Sure. Who had a torn ACL right. and came back and was athletic as ever. And he's someone who, quote-unquote, undersized for the position and thrives off his athleticism. And I don't think anyone questions that with him. No question. Whatsoever. That, so. and, and that's the thing is that you know ACLs are so common these days. And you know you saw Todd Gurley go in the top ten – uh, with coming off coming off the ACL around the same time frame, uh, but we'll see. It, yeah. it, it'll be interesting. But that's going to be the question: is how many of these offensive linemen? Who knows? You know, if the where where the Eagles are picking, one of these guys are on the board. And exactly. Now you're talking about a first round tackler guard, but I wouldn't necessarily reach for one of those. You know, for a guy that's not you know valued at that spot. Certainly. Either. 
All right, last one here. Uh, maybe a little a bit of an edgy question here for the podcast. Uh, at Richutes, Anthony on Twitter wants to know which college quarterback would be the best fit for the Eagles. Well, and here's the reason why I want to talk about this because I think everyone brings it up. I think with quarterback more than any other position, and I think this is a factor for every position, but yeah. probably more so than any, it comes down to fit off the field more so than it does on the field. I think that there's so much that goes into, you know, a head coach quarterback relationship and whether or not the guy can do uh, the things that we want or whether we can do things that he wants. Can we, is there a good relationship between, you know, your, the coaching staff and the quarterback, um, you know, and, and do they feel comfortable taking him, you know, in the first round, in the second round, in the third round, in the fourth round? Because we've talked about this in the past. I think it was with, uh, you know, in the conversations about Russell Wilson, you know, after the fact, obviously, after he's won a Super yeah. Bowl. You know, everyone can say, oh, you know, Russell Wilson, like the, the Seahawks were brilliant for drafting him in the third round. If the Seahawks knew that Russell Wilson was going to be Russell Wilson, they wouldn't have drafted him in the, the, third, in the third round. He would have been the first-round pick. Um, you know, so I think the quarterback position is interesting. And you never know what, you know, what does fit in the system mean. I mean, you know, there's, there's all these different – all the quarterbacks bring different skill sets. I mean, if you're looking for mobility, if that's what you mean by, you know, fit in the system, uh, you know, then you're talking about a different – players than if you were talking oh yeah well a guy that can stretch the field you know now you're talking Christian Hackenberg and you know and uh you know Paxton Lynch obviously and some you know some of these other guys that you know the Nate Sudfeld and the Jake Cokers of the world or if you're talking accuracy you want and you don't really care about arm strength then it's Cody Kessler you know there's all, all these guys have such different skill sets to say which one is the best fit for the Eagles offense because everyone has always said that oh they need a mobile quarterback but we've never seen a mobile quarterback no. get bought in. I mean, who, the only well, mobile Vic. quarterback was – well, Vic was here. Was here, uh, yeah. And they brought in Tim Tebow. And, yeah. you know, and obviously he didn't make the team out of camp. So, uh, you know, to say, oh, well, you know, this guy would be a great fit, uh, I think it's a question that we can't answer. Yeah, we, can, we can guess. Well, I would just say who's the best quarterback, period. I right. I mean, that's the thing. I think that's that's, what what, that's really to. what the, que- the question yeah. comes down to is who, who are the best quarterbacks. Uh, as opposed to who's the best fit for the Eagles system. And it seems like this year it's not going to be a clear-cut, decisive number one. Or at least you don't have, even last year, Mariota and Winston were heads and shoulders above everyone else. Exactly. My guess would be right now, and and the thing is is that you're including the juniors into this, and you don't know who's going to come out from that group. But, you know, you've got Jared Goff, who's a junior from Cal. You've got Connor Cook from Michigan State. Uh, you've got Hackenberg, who a lot of, who's very very divisive, and a lot of people don't be great. see as that guy. That will be fun. That, That's going to be fun in the draft process. I, so. We had uh, Steve Palzolo on from Pro Football Focus mm-hmm. on the podcast with Ross this week. Said he's the worst quarterback they've ever graded in any system, <laughs> college or pro. I mean, like it's just yeah. going to be it's going to be really fun. That, you know that whole process <laughs> when he does decide to come out. And I'm telling you, I think Paxton Lynch belongs in that category too. You know, and pa- Jacoby Brissett has, has gotten some love from different areas. Uh, you know, a lot of play, a lot of players here can fit into this discussion. And there's a lot of time left to uh, to have the talks because yeah. it's you know we're what now we're six months away. Uh, you know, we still have a month of the college football season, You're month right. plus, I guess. We only have five more full Saturdays of college football, which is kind of uh, upsetting already but I could, um, I could hear the uh, sadness in your voice yeah, my voice cracked a little bit there but <laughs> uh no I, I you know you've got five or six guys I think are in the discussion to be the top quarterback uh you figure a couple of those guys prob- probably stay in school so now you're down to four uh and it, it'll work itself out it'll be interesting to see how it all falls I hope place. Eagles fans aren't going to care about the quarterback position yeah, I mean that's that's, that's, the, that's the hope no question 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for this edition of the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA. For Fran Duffy, I'm Chris McPherson. Uh, we'll be back with a new episode next week. Again, make sure to subscribe wherever you consume podcasts, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, Podbay, wherever, and make sure to rate and leave us comments to let us know what you want on the shows down the line. Thank you very much once again for your questions. And until next time, you've been listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA.